Hello, my name is Autumn Giat, and this is Working Girls History, a podcast of and for the working girl. On this week's episode, we take a deeper look into women and the economy in Rhode Island. Specifically, we look at the position of women of color in the state and how local organizations, such as the Women's Fund of Rhode Island, are fighting for better solutions to gender and racial inequity in the workplace. I'm Kelly Nevins. I'm the executive director of the Women's Fund of Rhode Island. Our mission is to invest in women and girls. We do that through research, uh, advocacy work. We do some grant making, uh, and we believe in strategic partnerships. Our goal is to advance and achieve gender equity through systemic change. And so you sent me your recently released Women of Color Mm -hmm. snapshot report. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. So in 2017, we released an earlier report called Working Women of Rhode Island. And as we were looking at the data from that year, we thought it would be interesting to do a deeper dive into the issues that women of color face in our state. Um, Of course, when we talk about gender equity, for those who really, they don't understand what it is, we start with wage equity and then wealth equity. Um, And whenever we talk about wage equity, people understand that there is a difference between what men and women get paid generally across the United States. Um, What women get paid in Rhode Island uh, is, depending on what source you're looking at, is 86 cents on the white man's dollar. But that's for women all across Rhode Island. When you start breaking things down by women of color, you see that the inequities are so much more severe. So an African-American woman, uh, a black woman in Rhode Island will make 77 cents on the white woman's dollar. Uh, Latina will make under 50 cents on the white woman's dollar in Rhode Island. Uh, The resulting wealth inequities, the ability to buy a house, to pay for childcare, et cetera, et cetera, are obviously similarly impacted by the fact that they're not able to bring in a, a good wage. And we see a lot of women of color who in particular are working in care industries. So um, caring for children, uh, in daycare, uh, working in our nursing homes, um, they're nurses, they're teachers, they're in chronically under underfunded uh, uh, basic career paths. And so what can we do about that? That's that's part of what the Women's Fund helps to explore. Okay. I I went through it myself and I found it like completely fascinating. I mean, it's just some of the stuff I was reading out loud to my office and I'm like, did you know that one fourth of Rhode Island's women are people women of, of color? color? Right. And, um, and I think like a lot of these numbers, depending on where you live in Rhode Island are surprising. Like I'm from South County, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly white population. Mm-hmm. I actually thought one fourth was a lot. I did not know that there were that many women of color in the state. 
And um, I was talking to people who live in Pawtucket and in Providence, and they're like, oh, that seems a little low. Mm-hmm. So I think also our, our state population is, is a little segregated yeah. as well. Yeah, sure. Well, if you have, unfortunately, less money to spend on things like rent, which our report shows uh, so many women are paying more than 30% of their income just to pay for rent, they're going to go to the places that have less uh, cost to housing. And so they will be congregated towards more urban centers uh, and less likely to be in places like South County. And um, I mean, there are a couple of stuff that I highlighted here, but what did you find the most striking when you were going over the data from this report? You know, I don't know that I found uh, items striking. I mean, I think we know about some of these issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's when you take them in congregate and you really start to see sort of the the much bigger picture and how all of this impacts on people of color um, that you really start to get a sense of, hey, you know, this isn't about choice. This isn't about life choices that people are making. It's about systems that are being set up that unfortunately really impact people disproportionately. And so when we at the Women's Fund talk about systems change, we're talking about how do we make sure that people have the opportunity to thrive economically um, when they're, for example, working two minimum wage jobs with no benefits. How is that going to help their families? And how does that help our society as a whole? We would advocate that it doesn't. And so some of the things that we do on the advocacy side are things like um, advocating for increases to minimum wage, but also for things like getting paid sick time for people who are working two and three minimum wage jobs just to survive. Um, We want it so that everybody can thrive and they're working for it. They should be paid appropriately for the things that they're doing. What are some of the other big issues that you're looking at for the next year? Sure. Um, well, so of, of course, this year, uh, this just this ended legislative season, we had three priorities that we were focused on. One was uh, um, reproductive freedom. So the ability to uh, bear children when you wanted to and to parent them as you want to. So that was one. And we were very happy to have passed the help to pass the Reproductive Privacy Act. But we were also working on the doula insurance bill, which did not pass this year. And so that's something that we'll potentially be looking to add a fire to next year. (laughs) Um, Secondly, really ensuring women's economic security. So in that that bucket, if you will, we were focused on passing the Fair Pay Act and increases to the minimum wage. And I'm disappointed this year to say that neither of those issues got much traction and we will continue to work on them. And then the final piece was um, uh, freedom from sexual harassment in the workplace. Uh, One of the issues that we're very pleased to have seen uh, addressed this year was the removal of the tampon tax, which was a a gender-based tax um, on a personal item that that women need. Um, And we were very pleased that uh, our women from our Women's Policy Institute in 2016 had been advocating for that um, as early on as then. And those people continued to work on that along with many other allies in the community. And so pleased to to congratulate that class on the work that they did to get that tax removed. And um, I mean, that was fantastic. I was really excited when that came through Mm -hmm. um, as a buyer of tampons. (laughs) But (laughs) 
Uh, you mentioned the Women's Policy Institute. Can you speak a little sure. bit more about that? So the Women's Policy Institute had been on hiatus since uh, the end of the last class, which was in 2016. But I'm very pleased to say that it is now back. We are um, bringing on a, a new Women's Policy Institute, which is a nine-month fellowship for women who are interested in advocating for change in their community. And once a month, they attend a full-day program that teaches them about how uh, policy can be legislated. And each cohort that goes through chooses an issue that they'd like to work on. So in 2016, the tampon tax was the issue. Um, in 2013, paid family leave was the issue that, that our Women's Policy uh, Institute people participated in. We're hoping likewise that uh, the 2019-2020 class will take on an issue that will eventually get legislated and make some real change for women and families in Rhode Island. Um, so basically, it's a free program. So there's no cost to participate other than the time that they need to put into the program. Aside from that one day each month, they're also working on this project, this policy project that they hope to see through uh, to fruition. The program is funded by the Rhode Island Foundation, by the Otto York Foundation, by the Prospect Hill Foundation, and a, a number of generous donors from the community. And so we're really excited to bring it back. It's great. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm disappointed I won't be here to participate, <laughs> but I'll keep an eye out for when I come back. There are other things that you can be involved in this summer. Oh, what are some other things that sure. we can be involved in? So uh, one of the things that the Women's Fund really advocates for is for women to get involved in politics. So if uh, on the one hand, you don't have the time to go through a, a nine-month program in advocating uh, for legislation, you could learn how to run for office or how to support other women who are running for office. And on July 27th, we have a full-day workshop. Uh, it's $10, but we waive the fee for people who uh, find that that is a, a challenge to them. And uh, they learn all about what it takes to run for office. It's a nonpartisan program. We firmly believe that the more representation we have in public office, regardless of what your party is, that ultimately the right uh, policies get made for women and families by virtue of being represented and, and having your voice in the room. Um, and the program is called Run As You Are, and I think the title gives it away. If you have an interest, it's simply a matter of being able to, to communicate what kind of change you would like to see in the community and then building an infrastructure around that. And we'll help you do that on that one-day program. That's super fun. Yeah. And you can nominate a woman to participate in that program, and you and the nominee will go for free. Um, so you can learn about that on our website. And as we're looking at, you know, I think coming back to the report as well, this highlights a lot of issues we've known about education disparity, mm -hmm. wage disparity, you know, just simple access to opportunity. If you mm -hmm. could be dictator for a day and snap <laughs> your fingers what would you look at to do first? Oh, that's a real hard question to I answer know. because, you know, systems change is, it's very entwined with things in the community and you pull on one thread and it starts pulling out others. I don't know. I think, again, the representation um, is very important in places of power. Um, and I think that if we had more equitable representation, and that includes not just for women, but people of color who are making decisions for our community on how it works, 
if we had more of those voices in the room and more opportunity to make changes, I think ultimately things would move in the right direction. I ask this question of every person that I talk to. Uh, where do you see stories from the past influencing the work you do today? Well, uh, so uh, next year is the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote. It's the, the 19th Amendment. Uh, of course, the 100th anniversary is commemorating women's, white women's right to vote, not necessarily women of color. That took much longer for, uh, for that to come to fruition. Um, obviously, that story of the past continues to resonate the idea that if you have these people in your society that they need to have a voice um, we at the women's fund will be working with partners throughout the community to highlight a number of commemorative events next year and in fact on August 26th, which is the actual day that the 19th Amendment was ratified nationwide. Uh, here in Rhode Island, we are doing a, a voter registration training for organizations that would like to include voter registration in their events next year. But also at 4 p.m., we're all going to go out to the front steps, and anybody who's interested in this can participate. Uh, the front steps of the State House, and we're going to do a champagne toast to tenacity. And it, essentially, it's, you know, know, here, we're here, we're not going away, we want to be involved in what goes on in the future. So uh, we in, certainly invite uh, members of, of your uh, podcast audience to, to please join us. The one thing that we ask is that you register on our website simply so that we can make sure we have enough toast to go around. <laughs> <laughs> And again, it, uh, it would be great if we just had this mass of people out on the, the front steps who are toasting to tenacity, who are saying, we celebrate and commemorate what's happened in the past, but we cannot stop. We have to continue to move forward. And there are other things we can achieve when we have equity. I mean, what's better? You've got women's rights, suffrage, and bubbly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do you know of any like are there any like Rhode Island histories that you think of that you are like particularly into? Or? We'll actually at the Women's Fund uh, through our commemorative activity for the 19th Amendment next year, we will be moving a series of panels to different locations that highlight some of the women in our history. Um, so it's going to be really cool. Uh, we have a number of sites where you'll be able to see it free of charge. We'll also bring them to our Cocktails and Conversations events, which next year will have the theme of civic engagement. Um, and if you've never been to a Cocktails and Conversations, essentially they're a cocktail party where we have a panel discussion um, and they explore a different feminist topic every, every time. Um, by the way, the, the ones that are upcoming for the remainder of the year, one in September is focused on feminist youth voices. Um, so we'll be looking to hear from our, our younger sisters about the things that they are passionate about regarding feminist issues. Um, and then in October, we'll be discussing unconscious bias. Uh, and uh, we're really pleased to be partnering with different groups on, on those particular topics, and we have some great panelists. So again, we hope that people will visit our website and check out our, our events calendar. But uh, regarding Women of History, uh, we uh, we think we'll be calling the art exhibit that we're doing, the panels that we're moving, uh, Radical Women in Rhode Island History. We haven't finalized it yet, but mm -hmm. you know, 
people like got some people yeah, to pick from. Right, right. Um, certainly, there was a strong suffrage movement in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, in Rhode Island, we uh, voted for women's rights uh, to to be the law in Rhode Island on January sixth of nineteen twenty. So. Uh, we did it a little bit earlier than the rest of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Or is there anything else you'd like to add? No, um, I'm just so pleased to be part of your podcast today. And the, the only thing that I would add is if people are interested in learning about our events, um, learning about the Women's Policy Institute or registering for Run As You Are, our website is wfri.org. And those are the initials for the Women's Fund of Rhode Island. So wfri.org. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's been a pleasure. I met Kelly this past May while sitting in the Rhode Island Senate Gallery. We were waiting for the Senate Judiciary Committee to vote on the Reproductive Health Care Act. Since then, Rhode Island has made history by codifying the protections afforded by Roe v. Wade into state law. I will cover these historic events in Rhode Island in episodes to come. If you want to attend any of the events Kelly spoke about, please check the show notes below for links and check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To learn more about working girls' history, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so others can find the show too. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. On a different note, working girls' history will be traveling with me, Autumn Giat, as we move to Dublin, Ireland this fall. I will be pursuing a master's in public history at the University College Dublin, while also looking for new and interesting stories to share on the show. To learn more about how you can support our move to Ireland, check out our GoFundMe in the link below. Thank you so much for listening, and don't forget to share Working Girls History with a friend. Working Girls History was recorded in the podcasting studio at Wachir Writers Club, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators. Visit them online at watchyourclub.org or stop by club headquarters at 160 Westminster Street in downtown Providence. Watchyear Writers Club is not responsible for any content produced in the club studio. Thank you.